What's going on? Everybody. You've got the cardboard coach here with your boy, Coach Co. And team, we've got a very special guest on the podcast here today. We've got Jeremy Lee from Sports Cards Live. And not just Sports Cards Live. I mean, tag as well. You're all over the place, man. How are you doing today? I'm well. I'm well, buddy. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm. Uh, it's not every day I get to see your face twice in, I guess it's not every day, but <laughs> it's like I've seen you a lot in the last like two weeks. And uh, that's why I thought it would be a perfect transition into uh, an ex- a, a show about the expo and about where the hobby's at in Canada and, you know, where where we're looking into the future and discussing some things that maybe we can improve on or that are going to happen. And, uh, you know, just a hobby episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Sounds good to me. Let's 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 talk hobby. Let's talk hobby. Let's do it. So, I mean, obviously, we were both at the expo. Uh, we were both on. I mean, I think I was on more panels than I've ever been. I don't know about what were you. Yeah, I think I was on three, three panels. I think you were on all maybe you were in on all three of them with me. I'm not exactly yeah. sure. And, yeah. And then uh, we both got to sit on the stage and interview a uh, Hall of Famer and uh that was pretty you did right you re- interviewed Raymond Bork I got interviewed Peter Forsberg uh really cool really cool experiences talk to me about that right because I mean do you do you have a a, a Forsberg PC you have a Very, PC right yeah I do I do have a few Forsberg cards I've started you know we're a hobby episode I've redefined what a what a player PC is for me you know historically I've collected Dale Howard check Timo Solani a few others Shane Doan Jeremy Roenick Ron Francis and um, I've condensed these collections, Brendan, to where like I don't feel like I need 300 Howard Chuck cards and uh, 25 Ron Francis cards and et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, you know, I think I think I'm good with like three cards of of many players who aren't like Howard Chuck Solani are kind of my all time favorites. But yeah. for guys like Peter Forsberg and Joe Sackick and Mike Madonna, where I want representation of them in my collections. I only need like three to five cards of them in my collection. I'm going to be very satisfied. So my Forsberg PC, I still consider it a PC. I think it's down to, you know, three or four cards now that are, that, that don't reside within another set that I collect. I have yeah. others, but they're part of parts of sets. So yeah. 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 I think that, I mean, I don't think that the, having a PC means that you have like a limit on how many cards you can have or, you know, I think that like when when we talk about PC, it's it, it's cards that you wouldn't think of selling like in this moment or in the foreseeable future or that kind of means something more to you than like the actual dollar value. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's a, a great way to define a PC. It's like it, it doesn't. I know there's a lot of people that have like play like like wild player pcs and that's kind of like what we attribute pcs to but and then you have the other side where people are like oh this is a pc but it's like an ultra modern guy that they're just holding until he comes back up and then they dump it you know what i mean like but uh so talk to me about that right like you have a a forsberg pc you're you're sitting up on stage with peter forsberg i mean how how was that i know that at the national you managed to get some facetime with yager which was awesome uh now all of a sudden you know four months later you're with Peter Forsberg. I mean, how are you feeling? Well, I mean, like I don't, I don't know that I could ask for two cooler Hall of Famers to to get to interview. You know, the Yager was was a very impulsive interview. I saw him walk by, 
kind of approached him and he was totally cool. And I got about a six minute interview with him. The Forsberg interview, I think, is nine or 10 minutes long on stage, more planned. So I got to think about the questions ahead of time. But before we went on stage, you know, I left my booth to go to the main stage and I took my put I took all the Forsberg cards out of my out of my uh, showcases and took them with me. Now, they're all they're They are all already autographed. So I didn't ask him for any autographs or anything, but I did show them to him and I just said, hey, can we get a picture of you and me with me? So I kind of fanned them out in my hand. There were five of them or so. I held them and took a picture with me and him holding uh, with, I, I guess I was holding the cards. So, you know, that was kind of neat, but the best part of that experience was literally the interview itself. And then of course uh, you coach co put together a really awesome reel and that reel, you know, we've collaborated on it on Instagram. It's just shy of half a million uh, views now. And so to me, that's, that's my souvenir is the memory and the reel that you made. Those are my souvenirs from that experience. I don't need an autograph from him. I, you know, nothing else. Uh, that's, that's, that's what I need. And I'm, I, it was, it was super cool. How was your experience with Ray Bork? Yeah, it was kind of on the same level where it's funny. I think it was teapot yesterday. put up a story that said like, you know, when you see an athlete that you, you care about, like, do you pursue him for autograph? Do you pursue him for pictures? Do you just let him be? Or it's like a poll. And, uh, you know, I really thought to myself, cause I was like, I, at one point or another, like I was definitely the person that like, I, I loved autographs. I loved like in-person autographs. And, and, you know, now that like, I'm talking to these athletes and like one-on-one, it just feels very weird to ask them for an autograph. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, I would almost prefer just kind of being in the moment and just like spending time with them and shooting the shit. And, you know, like I was talking to Ray Bork about, I'm like, do you come to Canada often? He's like, Oh yeah, I come to like Toronto often in, in the, in the off season. And I was like, Oh, like, what do you do? And he's like, Oh, like I'm, I'm over in like Muskoka. And he's like ask, asking me about like, Oh, like, have you met, Wendell and have you met and I'm like this is like I can't definitely have a conversation with with Ray Bork about whether I've met like Wendell Clark and you know like it's like yeah. it's just it's like surreal and he's like oh yeah you know I go to Wendell's place and you know I know I know Domi and I don't I don't remember who else he was mentioning specifically but it was just it was a very interesting dynamic where I mean obviously he kind of like let his the guard down and I'm having just like I'm just shooting the shit with him and I think that is for me what the autographs were before, right? The autographs before were like, I need like uh, something to cement this moment in time. And I never, I've never sold an autograph Jersey or, you know, any, any piece that I've gotten from like in person um, one of those moments with an athlete, but you know, now I have like pictures and videos and, and it's less about the actual you know, posting and, and the clout, it's way more about like, I can now refer back, like go back to that and be like, man, that's a, such a cool experience. And it's funny growing up, my mom took photos of everything, man, absolutely everything. Like there's just photo, photo albums upon photo albums, upon photo albums. I remember being a kid and just hating posing for pictures. I hated it. Hmm. Every, we had to stop everywhere we went to take photos. And uh, it's like, I, had a, I don't know if I've become that, you know what I mean? But huh. But I'm definitely like, it's like a mental, like a mental photograph, but I mean, also a physical photograph. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, that was just uh, it felt like things had kind of come full circle and I was exactly where I needed to be in that moment. So, yeah, man, it was was pretty special. Yeah. And I'm I'm with you. Like, I don't uh, you know, I've been going to card shows for years and I don't I've never 
I won't say never, but I don't I don't remember ever standing in line to get a player's autograph because I'd rather be on the floor, you know, buying, selling, trading and that sort of thing. So when players come to these shows now, you know, and worse, I'm set up as a vendor or I'm or I'm walking the floor. Um, I still don't I still don't do that, but I'm not going to turn down the opportunity to interview one of these players because, you know, when you're when you stand in line to get an autograph, you what are you getting 30, 60, maybe 90 seconds with them. And it's all about the transaction for them. It's kind of all about the transaction. I'm sure some of them really like being there, but you are paying them to sign something for you and you are paying them for their time. And I feel like we've given a lot of these, these athlete celebrities uh, enough of our hard of, of our blood, sweat and tears over the years in terms of our time and our money, you know, paying to, to drink beers in restaurants and watch them play or paying ticket admission prices. So I, I thought I, I really like the opportunity that, that I have and that you have and others have now to interview these players where it's our time. You know, it's not like they're not paying me. I'm not paying them. We are kind of doing a service for each other. And, uh, and then you and I also, as the interviewers are doing a service for the, for the venue and the event, the expo in that case. So to me, that's, so it's just it's it's a lot of fun. It's pretty cool. Great memories. And um and let's face it, we I don't need to ask them for their autograph. I have their autograph already. Yeah, and yeah, to, exactly. Right. And then to get it in person, well, I just interviewed you. I don't need your autograph is, you know, what, what am I gonna do with it? I it's not on a card that's in my collection. So anyway, I, I'm not I'm I'm not against in-person autographs. It's just never been a thing, never been my thing. And uh and that experience was was one of the sort of the cherry on top, I would say, for the uh, the expo this year. I love it. Let's talk a little bit more about the expo. So obviously four days. Uh, I, I was speaking to a lot of dealers, and I feel like the general consensus was that Thursday was the best day for sales, um, followed by Friday, and then things like tapered off the Saturday and the Sunday, which is ironic because the attendance kind of went in the opposite direction. You know, it was like Thursday is probably like the least attended day Friday was like a little bit more. Saturday was the most attended day. And then Sunday was, I think, up there with Saturday, but obviously not as as much. That Saturday was the busiest I've ever seen the expo. So I'm curious to hear what you did in terms of like maybe transaction volume or something of that nature. And, and if you notice any sort of trends that were different this year versus other years. No, not different this year versus other years. This year was this expo was the same as other years for me. And, you know, just for context, I've set up an expo twice a year since 2005. I, I've missed uh, one or two due to illness. That's it. Um, but you nailed it. And whoever told you, though, that pattern, that's exactly. And I, I ran my numbers. I don't remember the exact percentages, but Thursday, I think I did like if I were to add up all of my sales by dollar value, I think Thursday was like 45% of my sales and Friday was 25% and Saturday was, you know, 15 and Sunday was six or something like that. Like it was, it was a steep decline. And, and, but I have a theory for it. First of all, well, it's a very, not for the very simple theory is that the serious buyers come out early because they yeah. want the best selection. Yeah. So if the card show starts on Thursday, the most serious buyers are there on Thursday. If it starts on Friday, the most serious buyers are there on Friday. Wednesday, same thing. Doesn't matter. So that that is has always been my experience. And you know, if you're a vendor and you set up early, like you know, the the doors didn't open till 
to the public till what four, four o'clock four, on, yeah. on Thursday. Yeah, you know, yeah. by three o'clock Thursday, I had already done half my business for the day with you know, whether it was VIPs or other vendors or or people who get in early because they managed to get in early. So uh yeah, the vendors that told you that that is hundred percent consistent with my experience. Saturday, again, correct, or at least you know, I'm aligned. The busiest I've ever seen the expo. It was an absolute madhouse in there. But we also had Mike Tyson and Carrie Price, two very popular appearances, autograph signers in the in the building. And I think that drives a lot of it. The other thing is the Saturday is the day when families come out. Yeah. Right. And so they're they're there for the experience. It's an activity, maybe get an autograph, maybe get a glimpse of a, of a dealer, maybe buy a toy or something for the kids. Yeah. Uh, so you you get a lot of attendance, but you're not getting the the attendees who are spending all the money at the booths Thursday and Friday, bar none. You know, I always say, like, if you if you're going to the show, don't don't wait till Sunday thinking you're going to get all the good deals, because by that point, especially in a market like we are in right now, which is a good market for for where we are anyway. Uh, I mean, sales were brisk. So, you know, you don't really need to blow stuff out on Sunday if you had a good Thursday, Friday, a decent Saturday. Uh, plus, all the all the best stuff's gone. So, you know, the, if you are a serious buyer, you want to be the first. You want to be as early as you can be into the into a card show. It's funny. I remember you mentioning on a podcast, like, I mean, six months ago, maybe, where you're like, you missed out on a card and you you regret. Like, you're like, I'll circle back like, like a day later or a few days later. It was like a, a multi-day show and you're like... I went back and it was gone. And I, I ever since that moment, I'm like, I'm not, you know, if I see something I like, I buy it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's interesting. A lot of people think that they're going to get deals on Sunday. I don't, I don't think that happens. I really, and if it does, it's like very, like, it's like minor. I mean, the stuff is probably already overpriced and like, it's like marked down to kind of where people are willing to negotiate finally. You know what I mean? It's not stuff. It's not like a black Friday sale on the last day of the expo. No, I think it depends. It obviously depends on the dealer's inventory. If if you're if you have the same thing in your showcase that everybody else has, which seems to be my perception of what more shows are like south of the border, where it's all ultra modern football and basketball and soccer. You know, that's where everyone's got the same stuff. So if you want to sell cards on Sunday, all you have to do is discount, right? Um so whereas if you have unique inventory, if you have really nice vintage that is not easily replaceable because, you know, not all PSA fours are the same sort yep. of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you can have a, you know, I sold a Carlton Fisk rookie at the, at the expo here a couple of weeks. Yeah. It was 1972 Carlton Fisk rookie. It was a PSA nine, I believe. And nice, nice grade. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But not all nines are the same. So the buyer and I don't know for sure. I'm kind of now making up a scenario, but the for buyer sure. could have been looking at a Carlton Fisk PSA nine over there and one over there and then mine and decided, you know what? Yours is the one I want. It's the nicest. It's priced right. I'm going to take that card. You know, 20 minutes later, two hours later, if he didn't buy it, someone else likely would have bought it because people recognize a quality item, even if it's sort of a car, even if it's a vintage card that there's, you know, thousands of copies out there. Yeah. But if you have the copy that is the nicest one for the grade at the price point in the in the building, it's going to sell and it could sell over and over again. So, yeah, when you see that card that you want to buy, I always say buy it 
buy it early. Don't think it's going to be there when you do your circle and come back. Yeah. Uh, be prepared that it won't be. Now, if it's a uh, Connor McDavid Young Guns, hey, no rush. Wait till Sunday. Just find right? another one. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's just a matter of the price, right? I exactly. think, uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think that more people, if they're looking to come to the expo and and actually do like business business, like I think you have to come to Thursday, like without a doubt. And I think that, you know, Friday early as well. I, I, I remember on Saturday, there was a few times where, I mean, I was pretty slammed on like Thursday, Friday, Saturday I had a little bit of a break. I had like maybe an hour and a half, two hours. I was like, okay, I can finally buy cards. And I went out on the floor and I was just like stonewalled like on all ends, just like with mat, like walls of people. And I'm like, there's just no way I can even enjoy this experience of like, and that's, there's like no, no knocking Saturday or saying like, Oh, you can't enjoy yourself. But as someone who like wanted to go in like head first and start buying stuff, it was just very difficult. You couldn't really negotiate with dealers. You couldn't really like dealers were constantly opening and shutting their cases. And it was just like, it was a lot happening. And so, you know, don't really expect to do a lot of business on Saturday. That's kind of my biggest suggestion for anyone looking to attend the next one. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're you're right. That was Saturday was so busy that, you know, what I heard some dealers say and I my area, like my location wasn't subject to this, but I heard from some vendors that there they couldn't do any business because right in front of their table was just a herd of people walking by you know they, they it was it was it was shoulder to shoulder and so if somebody stopped to look in your in their showcase they would hold up the people like the the 15 people behind them were trying they were trying to walk and that makes them uncomfortable so the, they just keep on walking instead now that wasn't the case all four days of the show obviously no. that was the case probably from what 10 30 a.m till 2 30 p.m yeah on saturday yeah outside of that that four hour kind of block i would say you know it was a it was a bit different is that is was it was it within that those hours that you were out yeah before? yeah 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 it was yeah, like so right we, after like the, the upper deck actually right before the upper deck giveaway where it was like just a madhouse up there too oh and I it know. was i was like i was like this is well you know it's absolutely nuts so, so my booth is right in front of Upper Deck. I know, I know. I, I can, I, tell you in the I can look up. So, I, so while you're up there, you know, I'm looking up at you, and I see you with your phone doing this, and I, I, I'm like standing, I'm doing this, just have my arms up, and there's one picture that you took where it caught me doing just that, yeah. and I think I even I shared it to my Instagram, and I like zoomed in and sur- I said, there I am, right there, circling yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah, I saw, I, I saw you. I, was, I, I know exactly where your booth is. The same booth every time, right? So I was just like, oh man, he's right there, and his arms are up. Yeah. But let's talk about, I mean, this, this last expo after uh, already an all-time high in terms of attendees, the previous one for the spring expo and, and generally the spring expo doesn't do as well as the fall expo. We know that um, we had all-time high in the spring and now we have an all-time high in the fall. Uh, there's a lot of positives after this expo. Do you want to share some of the positives that that you've seen this expo and that maybe surprised you or that are, yeah, I mean, let's go with surprised you and we'll go from there. Yeah. I mean, I just wasn't sure what to expect with all the narrative out there in the hobby. I mean, sometimes I wish I just didn't consume any content and then I'd be very, I'd just be kind of open-minded and going into things and have no expectations. Um, Because, you know, in this case, I was a little nervous going in. I didn't know what to expect. 
But boy, oh boy, was I like, you know, like just shut down the narrative. It's the narrative. The narrative is just a bunch of bull crap. Like it just, it, it's not accurate at all. Uh, it's at least some of the narrative that I, that I see out there. You know, the one thing that I was mostly ha- came out really happy about was that people of all ages were buying cards of all eras. Like I sold vintage. I sold you know, modern, I sold, I don't have any ultra modern really. So I can't speak to, you know, yeah. 2018 forward that well, but, um, but like I did a lot of deals and the buyers were very happy and my sales were to, were, were for the most part, I think to collectors, not to, you know, collectors and investors, not, not to, not to flippers, you know, I know, I know we talked about, would we talk about this or not the whole repack thing? There's, you know, for years since I've been setting up at shows, there's been two repackers that come by my booth, whether it's the national or the expo that I've always done a deal with. One was Brian Gray when he, back when he was with Leaf and I'm talking, I'm going back to 2012, 13, 14, you know, yeah. when BG would come by my booth, at the national and the expo, it'd be great. Cause you know, it'd be, it'd be a stack of cards. And then yeah. uh, the guys from hip parade, yeah. Tyler from hip parade, especially. Right. Yeah. I mean. They come by and they they buy a bunch of cards uh, from and, and the the vendors it's great and I mean listen I'm not I don't really I'm not going to get into the the what percent of comps they pay if I'm willing to sell to them at what they're willing to pay and we come to a deal and it's a bulk deal uh, that's great so you know that that Brian Gray wasn't out buying at this show but they, uh, Hit Parade was and that's um, that's uh, just a. A, a nice little sale. This was my smallest sale to them ever this time because my I didn't have exactly what they were looking for uh, yeah. in in their price range. But um, you know, nonetheless, uh, people like I did a lot of deals. People were buying everything from all of my showcases, and uh, and they were happy. People were happy. Like the vol, I think the transaction volume was wasn't my highest transaction volume ever but it, but as far as dollars go it was my second or third best show ever really yeah 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 but I, awesome. I had a lot of uh bigger cards for sale this time like you know four figure type cards so I sold like I did a lot of four figure deals and those and were those were like cash transactions like they weren't like the word like, like trade were they no no I know I know but like were they yeah. were they like plus trade or I did one deal with a guy where I sold him a, a PSA eight Terry Bradshaw rookie card, and uh, he gave me cash. Mine, was, I gave him the PSA eight. He gave me his PSA seven and and cash. So that was really the only wow, really deal hey, that I awesome. did. That that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was. But I mean, listen, I I had quality, yeah, vintage quality yeah. cup patch or uh, patch autos, you know, from Cup and SP Authentic and that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, and. Uh, yeah, but but not just my booth. I mean, even my my booth partner Sam and my booth neighbor Amit. I mean, the transaction volume was just high. You know, whether whether you're doing five or five dollar sales, twenty dollar sales, or you know, five hundred dollar sales. I think um, the, what I heard from people was people were outspending. You know, people are always looking to trade. That's always been a thing. It's yeah. not like it's now more than ever. Yeah. So, I, I guess my takeaway, just to wrap this up, is. Um, you know, the hobby is so much healthier than, than social media narrative would, would let you think at least up in Canada, at least for hockey, 
I, you know, ultra modern f- quarterbacks and uh, Wembenyama and Doncic and uh, you know Chet and all these guys. Uh, that's a whole other story. I mean, they do well too, but we're not up here flipping four or five quarterbacks constantly. We're up here collecting sports cards. Yeah, and I mean, we were on the we were on the the hockey collecting panel, and 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 one of the things about hockey cards that even people from the states say frequently is that like hockey card collectors they are serious like they are they they will go after what they are after there are groups i literally chatted with someone the other day that was talking about um you know bagels i don't know if you know um uh, bagels and wax vadim yeah, yeah I he do. was talking about being in a, in a in a group of like a beret collectors and like you know after he had purchased some cards he had actually got invited into, into this group you know like that's that just goes to the extent of like the hockey card collecting community when like, you know, he said that like if someone's bidding on one, like they'll, they'll lay off. Right. Cause they're like, Oh, like that one's for you. Like that one's like, you're, 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 you're trying to buy that one. And I just found that to be so interesting because yeah. I, I just don't think that stuff takes place like a lot in, in that, like those outside in the other markets. And like a lot of people want to be part of those football and basketball markets or maybe even soccer markets from the outside. Cause they're like, Oh, there's like all these big, like high dollar sales. And you know, that's typically the stuff that's most volatile, which means it's also has, has the, the greatest opportunity for, you know, week to week growth. But because of that volatility, I think that it's just like really hard for people to have that same attachment to a lot of these cards and players. Yeah. They're not, they're not running on nostalgia the way that, baseball and hockey collectors are you know i i firmly believe that the the most stable sport to collect is baseball followed very closely by hockey and then like basketball and football don't even play like they're not like yeah basketball does because of michael jordan but that's really like you know there's a very small pool of vintage basketball collectors even smaller of football collectors they're out there don't get me wrong but like if you look at the history of sports cards, baseball is the is the all-time granddaddy, right? And then hockey is like the grandpa. And then and then basketball and football are like toddlers in terms of the just the depth of product going all the way back and the amount of of dedication that the collectors have all the way from like young kids right up right up through till you know 80-year-old people who've been collecting since you know, their whole life sort of thing. Yeah. Hockey, like, and also, you know, baseball's America's pastime. Well, hockey's Canada's pastime. You know, basketball and football aren't anybody's pastime. Not, again, they're great sports and they're fun to collect, but the co- the the collector pool is just not there when you go all the way back to the beginning of their cards. Now, basketball has a huge market in Asia, of course. We, uh, we recognize that and it's a powerful powerful market and i think a very loyal collect they're probably more collectors over there than the american basketball community collecting community is you know because there there's just so much now we have flippers in hockey too but there's it's like there's so many flippers in basketball and football i don't know like how many the football collecting community is minuscule compared to hockey and baseball and basketballs you know just maybe a few notches ahead of uh football now again these are my perspectives my of perceptions course. of course uh but you know i've been in this thing over 40 years so i'm coming with some experience and and talking to lots of people obviously so yeah hockey is uh like you said the collectors are very very serious about about we're very serious about our cards 
And that's why I have no problem like continuing to put money into like into the hockey market. You know, like number one, I also like I love collecting hockey cards, but at the same time, I'm like, uh, I at this point, like, and and we can kind of talk about this as well. Is you know, for me personally, I didn't make, I didn't, I didn't buy nearly as many cards as I wanted to at that show. Uh, I, I between like me being busy and I just feel like I didn't really see stuff I truly wanted. And I was very picky about what I was going to buy. In fact, I sold a lot, uh, mainly like ultra modern stuff, stuff that I just got back from grading stuff that I was like, maybe like trying to, I was going to hold for a little bit longer. I was like, you know what? I actually don't need three of these or four of these, or I, I'd actually much prefer to like have this uh, like on the sidelines until I find something I truly want inevitably coming up at like auction over the course of like the holidays and stuff like that. And I mean, I've been picking stuff off slowly because I know that people always auction stuff off going into the holidays, right? Like people, they need a little bit extra cash. And I was like, you know what? If I don't find something I truly want here, then I'm just going to wait on the sidelines. But it was probably one of the first times where I went into the expo again, like much like you, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I you know I knew I was excited about the fact that there was all these new guests and there was another hall and PSA was going to be there and all these these selling features of the expo. But in terms of like the market, the demographic for the market, you know what I mean? Like like what the landscape would look like. I had no idea what to expect. I was just like much like you. I mean, I consume and create a lot of content on social media. And, uh, you know, the narrative is that like, you know, if you look at the, the numbers, the charts that you know, things are in the shits, you know, like even when players are playing well, their cards aren't going up. And, and I just, I think we're kind of used to this like direct correlation between like performance and price. And, you know, there are certain trends that haven't really followed suit where like people are getting a lot smarter in the off season. And so like the off season window is much shorter now, right? Whereas before you had like two or three months to like buy what you wanted. Now it's like, there's a dead time in, june or like sometimes it's even happening during the playoffs right where like during the playoffs you know people kind of just checked out unless you're buying players who are still in the playoffs but if you buy players that are outside of the playoffs you might get a few deals but people are a lot smarter now and they've they've reacted to to certain market trends and so that's kind of left a lot of people not knowing what's going on but yeah after going to that expo being a part of it for four days. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that collecting collecting is here to, I mean, uh, is here to stay for sure that the vast majority of people that are here right now, I think will continue to participate in some way, shape or form, whether that's buying the odd pack, buying the odd box, buying the odd single, attending the odd show, maybe once a year, whatever the case may be. Um, And I think that, I mean, the Canada is just getting started. I think. I think Canada and the Expo specifically, I think, is just getting started. As crazy as that sounds, because I mean, it's been around for what thirty years, you know. Yeah. So lots, lots there, lots there. So I mean, I think, um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the complaining that goes on about you know you can't make money in sports cards, and well, I mean, that, that's okay, you know, but you can you, you can you can you can make memories, and you can you can make. Uh, a lifestyle and you know you can really make friends um but you can make money in sports cards if that's what you want to do you just have to be able to be you just have to have some finesse and you have to be able to be smart and you can't just rely on time equaling cards going up in value like you said you know we're we're you said we're kind of used to there being a correlation between value and on, and and performance 
Well, that is the logical thing to think. That's what should happen. But cards do not do not exist in a vacuum with the with the sports themselves. They are their own. They're their own phenomenon, right? And there's a lot of other factors that, that are in play besides just what happens on the field or the court or the ice. It does help, of course, but there's macroeconomic influences as well as just the general temperature of the hobby and where people are at. And, you know, people have been making money in sports cards, buying and selling or flipping forever, forever. Anyone who opened up a card shop in the 90s, myself included, was flipping sports cards and selling wax to to make a living. So now it's you know it's no harder now than it was pre-pandemic. But a lot of the people that came in and got really fortunate during the pandemic because the cards that they bought in 2018, 19, and 20 were all of a sudden worth five to 10x. And they're they're kind of, they were spoiled and they yeah. they kind of want that same return, that same treatment. Well, those who had it easy and didn't work very hard for it are already gone, most likely. But the the guys with finesse, the guys who are willing to work hard, like you're not you're not always going to be able to walk around a card show, buy it buy at one table and sell at another table and make a fifty percent margin. Crazy talk. Like you 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 may have a few opportunities like that. You catch somebody off guard, but otherwise that's probably not going to happen. But there are other ways to buy. You know, buy collections locally if you want to make money on sports cards. Buy collect. People understand that if you're going to spend. If you're going to buy a collection of, say, you know, 500 cards, that's going to take a lot of effort to sell. Effort, time, resources, you know, travel costs, show costs, and, and just your time. And I don't know, you know, how much you work for an hour, but I mean, I'm not going to buy a collection, put in 30 hours and make 15 bucks an hour on it. Like, it's just not worth my time to do it for that. You have to make a bit more to make it worth your time. So um, there are ways to do that. And but you have to be you have to be smart about it and you have to have some luck i think some luck does come into play sometimes but that's where being a nice person and having relationships and not being afraid to to network and putting your name out there so that collections will find their way to you um so yeah i'm and i'm kind of off on a tangent here no 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 that's okay that's okay i like the tangents the tangents <laughs> it's true i mean you're right like People have been making money in sports cards forever, right? And like we got used to in the last, let's say, three years, it was like rip ultra modern, grade ultra modern, sell ultra modern as quickly as you can in that order, basically, right? Like, and and you just use that money to pull into the next hot guy. You just catch it at the bottom and you sell on the way up and you just keep that 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 train rolling. But I think that a lot of people are are now pensive they're hesitant to buy when someone's like gradually going up like you see less and less of these it almost takes like several performances in a row now before someone pops off whereas before i mean all it took is like one guy winning a dunk competition who no no one knew about him and and his cards would 15x you know once once the guy takes off you're too late i agree you're too late you gotta you gotta have you have to i guess have a bit of a a, a bit of willingness to take risk and you know, you know the the saying like when everyone is fearful, that's when you should buy. When everyone's very excited, that's when you should be selling, right? And that comes into play. Like you know, you also made the point that a lot of people sell leading into uh, the holidays because they maybe they need holiday money. Well, what that does too is we also know that it's a slower time. Like the the hobby is cyclical on an annual cycle, yep. Yep. and. 
you know, December, January might not be the best times to sell. Well, I have a counter theory to that, which is that is a that is a bit of advice that's been going around for a while now. So people aren't selling as much, which means that the supply is likely down. So if you are the one who is going to be who is going to kind of take the risk and say, oh, I'm actually going to sell now, you might have more of the market available to you. Now, I wasn't sure about this. I'm still not 100%, but from some very recent personal experience, because I did a I did a consignment submission to Slab Sharks at yep. the expo. Yep. They were there picking taking consignments and I gave them quite a few hockey cards to sell for me and they just sold on Thursday. I was nervous, just like going into the expo, Brendan. I was nervous about what they were going to do at the end of November on eBay. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, I was very pleased with the results. And I think it's par- partially because, you know, well, what I had was unique and rare for the most part, some some more commodity type cards, but maybe people are looking for deals right now because they think there are deals to be had. So what that could do is next year, maybe December is going to be the best time to sell because everyone yeah. thinks it's the worst time yeah. on the buying side. That's so, fair. Right? Yeah. Like these things... These things change over time as people yeah. become wiser. Yeah. I think for me, it's just, I, it's not even like I try to catch the market off guard. I just, I think that people genuinely sell stuff going into the holidays. And I was like, I wonder what cool stuff I'll find. And I've been finding stuff that I have not popped up on eBay. At least like on my, like my watch list is going bananas right now for things like I don't see very often, or I, I've seen a few of them in like a, in like a week or a month where I'm like, Okay, I have to jump on one of these. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of PC stuff that I just don't see very often is coming up. And I'm like, this is, I'm like, this is the holidays for me now. You know, like this is, I'm a kid in a candy store today. Like I haven't told myself that I'm like, I haven't seen a card where I was like, I'm prepared to go pretty hard on this in a while. And so I, I but it's felt, I felt like that multiple times in like the two weeks after the expo. And so I'm like, okay, yeah. this, uh, this, this could be fun. You know, you know all the mega bid talk lately. Mega so I was, bids. Mega bid. So I was in a. <laughs> I was. I don't know where this happened. This must have been. Oh, this must have been on one of my show, one of my sports cards live episodes in the chat. And somebody made the comment where he said, "I've never placed a mega bid because there's too much shilling going on." And my response was, "Well, then you've never wanted a card bad enough." Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 For sure. I mean, I'm literally, I'm like, looking at, I I'm eyeballing this card and I'm like, man, I wonder how high I'm going to go here. You know, like I'm like, when I'm sitting in front, I was like, I I'm prepared to go pretty deep. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always more cards to buy, you know, but some cards that are really rare, you've been chasing that one card for a set for a long time. That's, you know, a set where there's maybe only 10 copies per card type of thing. Uh, and you you need that card, you know, that's the case where you need the card and you put in, you know, you're just, you just know you're going to push all in, right? You're going to, whatever it takes. Yeah. And that's where the the whole mega bid thing, I think I, I, I did it once. There's a card I really wanted. 15 copies exist. And um, uh, no, sorry, 10 copies exist. It's a Gretzky. And uh, I put in a bit of like, like, a, like $6,111.11. And I won it for twenty nine hundred. You know, like oh, I put yeah. in a oh, while the yeah, bid yeah, was yeah. at fifteen hundred. Probably like I am yeah. getting this card now. Yeah. If someone else put in ten grand, they would have paid sixty one twenty five or whatever thirty five, yeah. and probably been pissed off at the that they went up against another mega bidder. But you know, point is, is that sometimes you just want that card so badly 
and uh, to the point where it's actually a need, even though this is just yeah. cardboard, but emotionally yeah. we need these things. Well, of course, you're, very you're, often. Like, you're like, when am I going to see this thing again? Right. You're like, I could very well not see this for the next five years or, and like how much is, is not having this worth, you right. know, it's like, we it's need, like, you know, girl math. There's like, there's like cardboard yeah. math, you know, there's like, <laughs> yeah, man math is its own thing. Sometimes <laughs> another piece of advice I have for your audience, Brendan is like, because this happened to me at the, at the national this year, have a bit of a rainy day fund for that card that you're not expecting to come out of nowhere and be offered into the market that you have to buy, you know, and yeah. what, and that amount of that rainy day fund is going to be whatever it is, whatever you can afford. You know, maybe it's a hundred bucks. Maybe it's, maybe it's a hundred grand. Yeah. Maybe it's 10 grand. Maybe it's 2000, whatever it is, you know, but at the, at the national, Somebody came up to me, recognized me, knew what I collected, spotted me and said, hey, I brought these cards in case I was going to run into you. I'm like, oh, okay, what do you got? He shows me like, bung, like what? Yeah, 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 cards yeah. haven't seen the light of day in, in 20, well, since 2006. Yeah. And uh, they were shield cards from the cup. Ooh. And he had, they were both the Solani Korea dual shields. One came out in 0506, one in 0607. Solani, my all-time favorite athlete. Korea, the best person to pair him with on a card. And I wasn't expecting this. And I wasn't yeah. also expect expecting to spend that kind of money, but kind of had to. Like, you yeah, know, well, I mean, you're not seeing to. them again. You know what I mean? Like never. These yeah. are one-on-ones. Yeah. And they're yeah. not making them again. Yeah. You're never going to see them again. So yeah. I had luckily, luckily, the night before in the hotel parking lot, I actually sold cards to a to a guy named uh Knighton Knighton or Nitten. I think his name is Knighton. Knighton for life on Instagram. I sold him cards for enough money to cover those cards purchase. Wow. What are the chances? Yeah. I sold him Jordan cards and I bought and I bought the Solanis and uh, and what an experience that and was. You went but home yeah, happy. Yeah. I, oh, I mean, I yeah. had the cash. I was like, thank. thankfully, I did that deal. I can afford yeah. these cards now. So really, it's a three-way trade, right? It's, it ends yeah. up being a three-way type of trade. Yeah. And um, But again, have like that, you know, if there's cards that you that you like that you don't even know are maybe out there or ever going to see the light of day have that rainy day fund because they could pop up on pwcc or ebay or at a card show someone might walk up to them and say i think you might want these cards and you're like whoa <laughs> yeah i think it's so hard when you don't know they exist almost or like you haven't really seen them before and you're like you never really expect to see something like that and you're like okay what's what's my number in this moment you what's, know yeah what I mean? The That's unicorn awesome. fund, have that unicorn fund ready because uh, yeah. or the ghost fund or whatever you want to call it, because eventually those if it shows up. So, yeah, that's exactly it. So let's talk really quickly about, you know, forecasting for the next expo. Uh, you actually you spoke to Mikey yesterday, did you? I did. Yeah, I talked to Mikey yesterday. We we, we, we keep in touch quite a bit. Yeah. We're buddies. Yeah. Um, and uh, I I actually he mentioned to me that he had just uh, he had just spoken to uh, or he was just. I mean, I don't have much to report uh, okay. and, and nothing that I'm, I'm not giving away anything yeah. else, any big info. But he did say that, you know, they're 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 him and Steve Menzi, who owns the expo, who contracts him to run the thing. Um, he mentioned that, you know, they're going to they're going to be having conversations, I think, very in the short term here on just what to improve for next time. You know, and I think one of those things, I think I he didn't give me any detail, but I think one of those things is going to be like the autograph lines and how to make sure that we're not we don't have a corral like we had in the connector hall yeah. uh like there was on the saturday for, this for time Tyson. yeah yeah yeah. just maybe yeah. i don't know what they're gonna do maybe they put the autographs at the back and move you know psa beckett tag more to the middle something like that 
Um, I'm not sure what they're going to end up doing, but the nice thing about these guys is that they're always like, they're not, they don't, they're not too proud to think that they're perfect. They're going to, no. yeah, going to make changes and they're open yes. to suggestions. Like they want the event to be good for everybody. So yeah, um, they're yeah. not fixed on their ways and they're, I mean, they know how to run a show and every, every single show they're open to feedback and they want to know, you know, how, how they can improve and, I mean, I honestly like not even from an attendance perspective, like like number of people, but just from a, an experience perspective, this was the best the best expo I've ever been to. Yeah. So the best expo I've ever been a part of. Everything kind of sm- like was smooth, except for like I said, that transition, the, the the middle hall on Saturday was a mess. But if you left and you went around, like if you left the building and then you came back through, <laughs> I think it's hall four, then you were fine. But if you yeah. tried to walk through that connector, it was impossible. Yeah. The, the overall just vibe was so good. People, so many Americans came up. I was listening to an episode of Hobby Hotline uh, that they recorded on Saturday morning. I was listening to that yesterday. And uh, Chris Harris, who's a, a regular on that show on, on YouTube, he comes up to the expo very, very often. He's a baseball collector. He's not a hockey collector at all. But but I, I know him through the, through the you know, content creator uh, fraternity, if you will. And he was saying that he he said you know to to the audience like i just came back from the expo he said this is a bucket list type show you have to go to the expo i don't care if you only collect baseball and he started showing all the baseball cards that he found there he said you know that there's enough baseball and non-hockey he goes it's a hockey show but there's enough non-hockey for anybody you have to go and just the amount of americans that came up and you know i host my thursday night networking event at the jack astors yeah. And I've been I've been hosting this thing for 11 years now. And uh, this was easily the most packed it's ever been. And it was everybody was just so and it's after Thursday. It's after the show closes on Thursday. Everyone was so happy to be there. People came alone. People came in groups and everyone's just like in a good mood. Like, that's the thing. Like, it doesn't matter what else is going on in the world. And there's some really stop there's stuff going on in the course, world right now of course yeah yeah but this this sports card community is just a nice escape from all that stuff oftentimes it's a nice escape from all from the real world where you get it doesn't matter what your political religious beliefs are who what sports your what sports teams you're fans of we all have this love of cardboard in common and collecting and uh and when you put us all in a room everything else kind of goes away and you just enjoy the vibe and the energy. And I felt that Thursday at the show. I felt it Thursday night at the event that I that I host, and then throughout the weekend as well. I love that, man. And I think that, like, I mean, going to one of these shows or going to a show in general is really it. It just it kind of changes your entire perspective. You know, like we said previously, like you're online, you spend a lot of time communicating with others through the internet and then consuming content, and you you almost you don't really know what it's like at the ground level. And so if, if anyone listening or watching is experiencing something like that, where they're kind of, they feel a little lost or they, you know, disconnected from their fellow collector or from their own collection, I, I would highly suggest they, they go to a either local show or a, a show that they, they have access to, uh, you know, in a not so distant future, because every time I do, I, I, I leave there and I feel reinvigorated, it, it, whether that's through collecting or creating relationships, uh, you know, you you realize your purpose pretty quickly. You know, like it's yeah. it's 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 kind of wonderful. 
Jeremy, I want to thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Uh, what I'm not going to let you leave before doing, though, is telling everybody where they can contact you and, uh, you know, where can they can consume your content? Where can they ask you questions? Where can they maybe potentially sell you a collection? Hmm. Yeah, well, thank, thanks for having me, Brandon. Always, always, always a good time uh, hanging out with you, chatting, whether we're recording or just uh, off camera as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, or we're sitting on a stage together at the expo. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, so my, my YouTube channel is sports cards live and, uh, lots of content on there. I do shows quite, quite a bit, a lot, and I only do live streams. So that's, uh, that's where you can find me, my, my content also on, on all the podcast networks. I've actually, my podcast was recently just, uh, I was just picked up by the cloud 10 podcast network. So I'm now part of a podcast network and I'm kind of the first sports card podcast on the cloud 10 network. So you can uh, check out Cloud 10 as well. And uh, Instagram, my handle is J-L-E-E. So J-Lee underscore Sports Cards Live. And um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's where you can find me, Brendan. Thanks I for the opportunity. It. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much again for jumping on and, and sharing your experience, not just with this expo, but you know all of your collecting experience. Team, Jeremy Lee, Sports Cards Live. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Cardboard Coach. Please go follow this wonderful individual in front of me. For now, Coach Co and Jeremy Lee are out of here. Peace.